All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At close of business, news briefing. Good afternoon, this is Nadia Budihajo with your Wednesday headlines. The person killed at Mineral Resources Onslow Iron Project on Monday has been confirmed as an employee of Bibrolet contractor AAA Asphalt Surfaces. AAA Asphalt Surfaces issued a statement confirming Kieran McDowell, who is understood to be in his 20s, died in an incident at the Ken's Bore site in the Pilbara on Monday, June 12. Details of that incident are still unclear, with an investigation by WA Police and the Department of Mines, Industry Regulation and Safety ongoing. AAA Asphalt Surfaces Managing Director Frank Italiano said the company was devastated and described Mr McDowell as a valued team member. The company was contracted to MinRes and confirmed it would continue to work with authorities. Operations at Mineral Resources Onslow Iron Project are still suspended following the incident, which occurred within the West Pilbara Locator Project at about 4pm on Monday. In other news, Perth workers had a scare when a hazmat general warning was issued for a section of the CBD this afternoon. The Department of Emergency Services identified a gas leak from a large pipe fracture at the Edith Cowan University campus construction site. Rose Street between Lake and William Streets was closed off but was reopened by 2pm. A DFES spokesperson said ATCO has since capped the leak and firefighters have tested the site to ensure there were no risks to the public. In property news, a dozen apartment projects projects are set to get a boost from the state government's $80 million infrastructure fund, with initial recipients of the fund's apartment rebate announced. Developers will share a pool of $6.53 million to fund project headworks, which consists of the work carried out by utility providers Western Power and Watercorp. Projects to benefit from the funding are at various stages of development and includes ADC's 40 million six-storey apartment North Fremantle. Projects in Burswood, Cannington, Como, Maylands, Mount Pleasant, Netherlands, North Fremantle, West Leederville, West Perth and Woodlands are among the recipients of the first round. Coming up next on the podcast, Jack McGinn and Liv Duclerc discuss the impact of cost of living pressures on charitable organisations in WA. The business world is teeming with opportunities to succeed and every day is a chance for the ambitious to learn, know and grow. Over recent years, we have built the greatest business journalist team in WA, delivering you the most trusted, comprehensive, intelligent and up-to-date news across every sector, every platform, every day. No fluff, all informative stuff. At Business News, we believe progress boils down to one simple habit, that is... What you subscribe to today shapes what you will become tomorrow. Subscribe to success. Subscribe to Business News. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash subscribe for more information. Welcome back to our Close of Business. I'm Jack McGinn and today I'm joined by Liv DeClerc. Liv, how are you going? Very well, thanks Jack. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So Liv, for the most recent edition of Business News, uh, you wrote the cover story uh, as part of the special feature about charitable organisations here in Western Australia. Uh, For this article, you spoke to several support service providers about the state of the sector at the moment. And I suppose unsurprisingly, rising inflation and the consequential increase in cost of living expenses are having a massive impact in that space. Can you tell me a little bit more about how that all works in practice there? Well, rising cost of living is impacting every sector in WA, of course, and 
beyond WA too, but the main problem for charitable organisations is the rising demand they're seeing as a result of this rising cost of living. So people who would have never imagined themselves accessing support services now have no choice but to do so as the cost of living is getting so expensive. And as most people would be aware, the Reserve Bank of Australia just introduced its 12th cash rate hike in only a short 14-month period. So household finances are becoming increasingly stretched and there's a lot of people choosing to cut back on things that they perhaps see as a choice. For example, rent isn't a choice. You need to pay it to have a roof over your family's head, right? But food is now being seen as not as vital and they can cut back. So no longer three meals. I can have just two meals or just one meal or I'll just have a snack or I can go a few days without food, which is quite uh, devastating to hear. Um, And so people are putting less money towards things like food and also medication as well in order to prioritise rent and other necessary bills, which I would include food as definitely being necessary, but lots of people are thinking they can cut corners in that respect, I suppose. But being able to access cheaper food, um, they there are a lot of people who are turning to food relief services and those organisations are being flooded with a tsunami of demand, as you can imagine. You definitely can um, sort of see how all that would be coming together. And one of the organisations you spoke to in your piece was St Pat's and they do do a food relief program. Can you tell me a bit about your your conversation with St Pat's? Yeah, of course. So actually a few weeks before I even began researching and putting together this story, the CEO of St Patrick's Community Support Centre, Michael Pugh, he posted on his social media pages to share the news that St Pat's was about to run out of food. Uh, St Pat's has been providing emergency housing and food relief for people sleeping rough for about 50 years now and Michael said this was the first time they had almost run out of dried and non-perishable food. And initially I thought, oh no, are people not donating as much as they used to? But after I reached out to Michael about this, I discovered it was actually that demand had gotten so great that it was outstripping supply. And Michael said that his cry for help on social media was met with an overwhelmingly positive response and lots of people were immediately providing their assistance and donations to St Pat's but despite this the demand is still so great that donations are distributed just as quickly as they come in and it was absolutely jaw-dropping for me actually to hear that the demand for St Pat's services has jumped 250% since about three years ago so just before COVID and in terms of meals St Pat's is providing 1,000 more per day than this time only one year ago. That's just to me, I just found that absolutely shocking. The massive, massive numbers. And I understand you spoke to Food Bank as well, Food Bank WA, uh, to explore the issue of rising demand for food a little further. Yes, I spoke to Kate O'Hara, who's the CEO at Food Bank WA, and she echoed the concerns of Michael from St Pat's, saying the jump in demand is painfully clear in the statistics. So in 2021, I think around May, Food Bank WA was seeing between 300 and 500 people coming through its services each day, but now it's seeing between 700 and 800 people per day. And one day in April, just gone, Food Bank WA hit its record of 1,048 households coming through and accessing its services. The organisation actually releases a hunger report annually and its most recent one used um, statistics from July last year and it found that 59% of the people going to food bank had a job and 23% had a mortgage. And when I spoke with Kate, she said she is terrified to know what those percentages will be for July this year when they do their hunger report at the end of 2023. Those aren't necessarily people you would think would, would fit the profile of someone that might need this support. So it really speaks to, you know, just how vital it all is. 
Now, according to Business News Data and Insights, the, the biggest charitable organisation in WA in terms of revenue is the Royal Flying Doctor Service, uh, Western Operations. So you spoke to them as well. How's this charity been affected by the cost of living? When I spoke to the CEO, Judith Barker, she said that donations and fundraisers have been going really successfully and there hasn't really been a drop in this income. However, operational costs have skyrocketed. The Royal Flying Doctor Services staff housing costs have gone up nearly $500,000 in the past 12 months alone. And aviation costs have increased terribly with fuel alone increasing 29% again just over the past 12 months. And going back to what I said earlier about people choosing to cut back on things they see as a choice and not a priority, Judith said this was a huge concern for her as people cutting back on food and medication, like I said. It means these people are less healthy and more at risk to health implications and already the Royal Flying Doctor Services emergencies and urgent patient requests have increased by 13% during the past year and to make matters worse the service's busiest regions are those furthest from Perth in the Kimberley and Pilbara and according to Judith this makes them the most expensive retrievals for the doctor service to deliver and this just increases cost pressures even further. Now uh, Lifeline WA and Ronald McDonald House Charities WA are two more organisations you spoke with who are seeing a massive increase in demand for services. So this is a, an issue that's going across the sector by the look of it. What are these organisations doing to solve this issue? Well, Lifeline WA has had nearly 100,000 people call in the 2023 financial year, which is a 7% increase from last year. And the CEO, Lorna McGregor, also said that the website traffic on Lifeline's financial support pages has increased by 49%. And as for a solution, Lifeline is simply searching for more volunteers to meet the demand of the increased calls. And uh, Lifeline actually launched its first recruitment campaign ever in the whole organisation's 35 plus years of operation. So that's pretty crazy that they've never had to seek volunteers because they've just always had enough and now they've reached this point where the demand is so great that they have no other choice than Mm. to put out this campaign. Um, As for Ronald McDonald House Charities, they're also expanding their ability to meet the growing needs um, and they're doing this by opening a new facility which will have 50 more rooms by January 2024, I think that's when they're opening and they've also been given a funding boost from the state government to expand its delivery and the quality of its delivery as well to the seriously ill children and their families that they support. It sounds like there's some good things happening there, but you also spoke to an organisation in your story who was seeing a really remarkable drop in funding. Can you tell me a little bit more about Solaris Cancer Care's decrease in donations and what it might mean? Yes, so the vast majority of charitable organisations are feeling the pressure on the receiving end of their services, like I said, with demand jumping so greatly, but some are also faced with the loss of funding at that, the beginning part of that system. Um, this is also actually because of the rising cost of living, which is impacting everyone, not just those who are more vulnerable. And of, of course, it's hurting that latter group of people a lot more, but it's still impacting everyone to a degree. And in some cases, benefactors have also become financially stretched to the point where they're cutting back on their formerly generous donations. And Solaris Cancer Care is one of these charities that are dealing with a funding drop. And because of this, Solaris is looking at maybe cutting back the services it provides to people impacted by cancer, who is the main people that they're serving. And when I spoke to the CEO, Francis Lynch, he said Solaris's last Christmas appeal only generated 30% of what they were expecting. And the organisation also engages in Dry July, 
which raises money for cancer charities. And apparently it had been raising $15 million per year for the past five or six years prior to 2022. And then last July, it only raised $8 million. So a drop from $15 million to $8 million. It's quite significant and going to impact any organisation when they have a budget set out expecting certain funding. And then, I don't know, it's just really upsetting. And when I spoke with Francis, he was just devastated that it's come to this point where they have to consider maybe cutting back services. And the tipping point actually for Solaris has been the um, the most recent cancellation of a major donor's sponsorship. So Francis said that a large source of funding had been ongoing for 15 years from this company. And they essentially have said within the last month that they couldn't support Solaris anymore. And it was too they were too financially stretched due to cost of living increases. So now the Solaris board is set to meet on June 15 to determine the future of the organisation's services. Wow, that's that's tomorrow. So hopefully there's a positive outcome for Solaris. Um, Liv, we speak a lot on this pod about cost of living. It goes across all sectors and it impacts all industries. But I I, I can't think of many that it impacts in quite this way because as, as people get more and more stretched, they need these services more. And mm. at the same time, uh, you've got these services that are struggling with cost of living, um, with inflation and, and just trying to keep the doors open. So it really is a big issue. Um, it's a fantastic story. You can find it in the most recent edition of Business News. It's the cover story and you can find it online as of today as well. Liv, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.